Hey, Disney Cruise fans, it's Wes. If you'd like to support the show, please consider booking your next Disney trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, a platinum Disney earmarked agency. Though we specialize in Disney cruises, we book all Disney destinations. We'll help you with all the planning details and make sure you don't miss out on anything important. Of course, if it is a Disney cruise, we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us. Spa treatments, port adventures, merchandise, adult dining experiences. It doesn't cost you anything to work with us, and you'll pay the same as if you book directly through Disney. So you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you. If you're interested, send me an email at wes, W-E-S, at mickeyworldtravel.com. And now, on to the show. everyone welcome to episode number 152 of the dcl dude podcast my name is wes and i hope you've all had a great week (laughs) did you did you see the surprise announcement from disney about the upcoming films they're going to release this was yesterday i i think it was i think it was during the walt disney company's q1 earnings call that bob Iger just casually mentioned that Moana 2 will be coming to theaters in late November this year. When I I first saw people posting about it, I I sent out a few messages asking if it was real because I had heard nothing about it. I don't think anyone else had either. And all of a sudden it's being released this year. (laughs) I, I couldn't believe it. Apparently... It was supposed to be a series for Disney Plus, but they decided to just do a, a theatrical release instead, which I personally think is a better decision. That being said, I'm not quite totally sure how I feel about it. It's one of those movies that, for me, is pretty much just perfect as it is, and and sequels, sequels pretty much are never as good as the original. I know there's obviously some exceptions, but I'm I'm certainly willing to give it a chance. I just I, I it came as a complete shock to me. The late November timing is also interesting. It's probably just a coincidence that the christening of the Disney treasure should be right around that time. But I wonder if I wonder if there's going to be any sort of marketing campaign that kind of links the two together. Obviously, you know, Moana is going to be on the treasure. So I don't I don't know if that timing was was planned or whatever, but I, I guess we'll see there. Also announced yesterday were Zootopia 2, which I'm excited about that one. Toy Story 5, do we need another Toy Story? <laughs> I, I, I thought we were done after 4, but I guess we're doing another one. And Frozen 3, which I'm not surprised about that one. All with release dates in 2025 and 2026. Anyway, not sure why I opened the show with that, but it was uh, on my mind, so I figured I'd share it. What I did want to open this week's show with uh, is some updates on recent Disney Cruise news. I haven't filled you in for a while, so I wanted to get you all cut up before we get into this week's show topic. So let's dive right into it. Just announced this week, Disney Band Plus is coming to the Wonder beginning on March 16th. So with that, Disney Band Plus will now be available across the entire fleet. We had a chance to experience Disney Band Plus ourselves on our cruise that we just completed uh, in December over New Year's Eve, and I really liked it. I would recommend getting a Disney Band Plus. The thing about that is is 
they are expensive. And obviously, if you have a Magic Band Plus, I don't know why they use different names for them. But if you have a Magic Band Plus, you can use those on the ship. So you don't necessarily have to buy a new one. We bought new ones. I actually didn't even have a Magic Band Plus uh, up until the till that point so i we we bought new disney band pluses with the disney cruise you know designs on them all that stuff and what they're used for is pretty much just to open your stateroom door you can charge to your room with them the kids can use them to check uh in and out of the kids club so it's really just a convenience thing and they also do they'll do like I guess I'd call them performances. So they'll light up and buzz throughout different times of your cruise. Like during the fireworks, they put on their own little show. And some other times uh, it'll happen as well. And it was always unexpected for us. But I I personally like the Disney Man Plus because I don't like to carry around my key to the world card. I don't like the lanyards and I don't like just, you know, putting them in my pocket. I always end up forgetting where I put it. So I like having it on my wrist, same as at the Disney parks. I just like having it on my wrist where I just, you know, can check in and out of my room. I can charge things to it. It's perfect for that. It's certainly not necessary if you're okay carrying around your key to the world, or maybe you like the lanyards uh, to show off your, your Disney Cruise Castaway Club status. Totally get that, but you can still do that with, you know, carrying the key of the world cards around. Like, nothing really changes if you don't want to use the Disney Band Pluses. But I personally enjoy the Disney Band Plus. It's, a, you know, there's a, there's a convenience to it that you don't get with just carrying the key around. The next piece of news is, uh, these are all going to be old news, but I wanted to, you know, to, to highlight them here. Disney The Tale of Moana was announced as the third Disney treasure Walt Disney Theater production. And I think you probably all know how I feel about that. I am just so excited for this. The stage show is going to be inspired by the 2016 animated film. Hopefully they don't incorporate some of Moana 2 into the show because I think it should just focus on the original because that was, you know, that was the best, the best one. But the show will follow Moana as she embarks on an incredible journey to save her island after she is chosen by the ocean to restore the heart of Tefiti. This production will feature songs from the film's iconic soundtrack, which is what I think I'm most excited about, along with many of the film's beloved characters like Grandma Tala, Maui, and Tamatoa. No mention of Hey Hey, but I'm hoping he at least makes an appearance, and I, I, I would imagine that he will. Uh, more recently, the Disney Parks blog shared some details about the new stage production, along with some images of the two scene of excuse me of two of the scenes. There were two main things that stood out to me from what the Disney Parks blog released. First, the puppet, the master puppet designer whose creations are featured in The Lion King on Broadway, will be working on this production, and they've revealed that the fiery Taka you know, the, the creature that Moana battles at the end who ultimately turns out to be Tefiti herself will be a puppet of a scale Disney Cruise Line has never before produced. So that I can't wait to see. The second thing that stood out to me was their plan to transform the Walt Disney Theater during the performance of How Far I'll Go. So obviously that's the the main iconic song from um, from the movie, but the press release says that the Walt Disney Theater will transform from the island of Motunui into the open ocean as Moana's journey moves from her home to the great voyage that she's longed for her entire life. And get this, a giant glowing manta ray will emerge and soar above the audience as a newfound sense of courage fills Moana. 
no idea how they're going to do either of those things, but I cannot wait to find out. I have massive expectations for this show, and I just can't wait to experience it on board. I think it's going to be so incredible. Details were finally revealed for the Disney Treasures Haunted Mansion-inspired bar, which will be called the Haunted Mansion Parlor. I don't know if you remember, back when they originally made all the announcements about the Disney Treasure, there was speculation that there was going to be a Haunted Mansion-inspired bar, but they didn't say anything about it. And so we, you know, I guess we were just all waiting for them to finally make an announcement. Well, they did, and so... as, as expected, the location is going to be where the Hyperspace Lounge is on The Wish, so no surprise there. This one-of-a-kind experience will invite guests to partake in the next chapter of the Haunted Mansion, focusing on the story of a jovial captain who entered a ghostly realm after a disastrous dinner with his beloved fiance. So... That's that's obviously, you know, the the story that Disney Cruise Line released and if you go to the actual release, there's a um I think it's a letter that this that this captain wrote to his fiance and it kind of gives a, a backstory of what the what the experience is going to be like, which I think is really cool and I hope they kind of incorporate that into the actual experience it, itself on board. But it really looks like the Imagineers have gone to great lengths to make this a, a truly immersive experience and one that will you know complement the experience that you get at the theme parks from appearances by legendary characters from the haunted mansion attractions around the world to the nostalgic art style of the original 1969 disney parks classic to the design of the parlor that will include tributes to the park's attractions to a custom musical arrangement inspired by the attraction's original score I I didn't love the Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge on the Wish, mostly because it, it feels like it lacks a strong theme and background story. But from what Disney Cruise Line has shared with us about the Haunted Mansion parlor, it doesn't seem like this new space is gonna have a similar problem. I'm actually really excited for this and, and hope that they hope that it is what they have hyped it up to be. Back in November, Disney Cruise Line shared some new details with us about Lookout Key, along with some artist renderings. The arrival point is going to be called Mabrika, which means welcome in one of the native Bahamian languages. Another space they announced is the Goombe Cultural Center, which will embody the essence of Junkanoo, a Bahamian festival filled with joyous music and vibrant parades that will come to life in many ways across Disney Lookout Key at Lighthouse Point. That part caught my eye a little bit. Parades are a regular attraction at the Walt Disney theme parks, but I never thought about them being part of a Disney cruise destination experience. So I don't know if the fact that they said the word parades in there means anything, but I'm curious to know if they mean literal parades. So keep an eye out for that. More recently, Disney Cruise Line added the port adventures to the Disney Cruise Line website that will be available at Lookout Key. And they also announced the prices for the private cabanas that will be on Lookout Key. And spoiler alert, they are expensive, even more so than uh, than at Castaway Key. To be honest, I haven't spent a whole lot of time sort of speculating about the experience at Lookout Key or researching the port adventures because I, I'm I'm really I'm excited to just experience it with as little bias as possible. 
we're taking the inaugural cruise to Lookout Key in June, and I can't wait for that. And I just I, I'm I'm excited to to see it for the first time and and really experience it with as you know as as fresh a mind as 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 possible. In December, Disney Cruise Line revised the age ranges for its Oceaneer Clubs and Oceaneer Labs. So instead of 3 to 12 years of age, the range was lowered to 3 to 10 years of age. And they indicated that this was based on guest feedback and to enhance the the youth activities experience for the youngest and tween guests. As you probably recall, the Edge was always available for tweens 11 to 14 years old. So there used to be some overlap between the club lab and the Edge, which will continue to be available to tweens 11 to 14 years of age. So no change there. Though this is going to affect my family personally very soon as my son ages out of the club lab, it seems like a pretty common sense change. These spaces to me never really felt like they were geared toward an 11 or 12 year old. And I would imagine it's difficult for the youth activities counselors to provide entertainment for such a wide uh, range of age groups. So the change makes sense to me. And I, I think they, they could have rolled it out a little better. They were sort of just like, Hey, as a, effective immediately, this is going to be the change. And I think a lot of people, at least from what I could tell from feedback that I was seeing online, were kind of upset that they just rolled it out immediately like that. But I think it's a good change uh, going forward. And then finally, my last uh, bit of news here is the update to the Castaway Club membership that was announced recently. So what they basically said is you have to book or sail at least once every five years to remain in the club. And speaking of not rolling it out uh, correctly, this update was made rather discreetly, and I feel like they, they could have done a, a better job at, at communicating this. Uh, they actually said nothing as far as I can remember. It seems like they could have boosted their sales a little bit if they had announced this. I, I imagine there would have been some people who would book a cruise and, and pay the deposit just to, you know, to maintain their status. But what do I know? I do think this has upset a lot of people based on the commentary and feedback that I saw online. And, you know, rightfully so. What I'm still not 100% clear on is sort of the mechanics of how you maintain your status if you're if you're kind of on that that five-year threshold as i understand it as long as you at least book a cruise within five years of your last cruise and pay the deposit you'll maintain your status i'm wondering though if you can you know keep walking that booking into the future if they'll require you to actually cruise at some point i'm not sure uh the answer there but i guess i guess time will tell All right, since you're now all caught up on recent DCL news, let's talk about some things to be excited about in 2024 as it relates to Disney Cruise Line. I'm going to give you my top five, but if you have something else that you're excited about that doesn't make my list, please reach out to me and let me know. I would be very curious to hear about that. Let's start with probably the most obvious one, the debut of the Disney Treasure, which is scheduled for late December. I'm actually wondering how many preview cruises they'll do before that December 21st maiden voyage. With the Wish, I believe they had the christening cruise and then maybe two preview cruises before the maiden voyage. I do know that one preview cruise was canceled and because of the delays in getting the ship finished, I I'm wondering if there weren't if they weren't able to do as many previews as they would have otherwise liked to. I don't remember how many they used to do with like the fantasy and the dream, but I feel like they, they, the plan was to do more preview cruises. 
in theory, with no production delays and everything running according to schedule, assuming that's actually the case, they could be planning more preview cruises than they did with the Wish, and I suppose it's possible they could start cruising with passengers as early as the beginning of December. So I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on that. There's a lot that I'm excited about with the treasure. I was I was excited for the wish, but for different reasons. We had, you know, we hadn't had a, a new ship for a decade. We were in the midst of a global cruise industry shutdown, and and the Disney marketing and PR teams did a, an incredible job at generating buzz. But the theming never really excited me all that much. That is not the case with this new ship. I love the adventure theme, which is what the ship should have been called. <laughs> and I'm really excited about a bunch of the stories and characters that they've chosen to incorporate. Plaza de Coco should be a lot of fun and having a restaurant with Mexican food menu is going to be a huge hit for my family. The Haunted Mansion parlor, like I said earlier, I, I can't wait to see how far they push that theme. I'm hoping it's more repeatable than I feel like the Hyperspace Lounge is. I think if they come through with the design and the atmosphere like they've teased and also create some drink offerings that are a big hit, it has a chance to be uh, a huge success. And then Moana, well, I don't think I need to go into that one much more. Besides the actual ship itself, I'm really excited for the... I'll call it the buzz that that is to come. Before the debut of The Wish, the energy and excitement surrounding it was was palpable. I mean, it it's possible that it was all a product of what was going on at the time. Like I said, the first new ship in a while, a global pandemic, and a, a strong marketing campaign. But I'm I'm hoping they're able to sort of recreate that for the end of this year. If my memory serves me right, I, I want to say it really kicked off around March in 2022, which would have been about four months before the maiden voyage. So if we project out a similar timeline for the treasure, hopefully around August, they'll really be promoting the treasure and, and, and starting to get everybody really excited about it. The next thing to be excited about is the summer 2025 itinerary release. I always struggle with that word, <laughs> which could, in theory, be dropped any day now. Why should we be excited about this? Well, for one, in my opinion, it's always the best itinerary drop because it usually has the most variety and the most potential for something new. Obviously, we know that the summer months usually bring us the European and Alaskan itineraries, but with a new ship in the fleet, I'm very interested to see how that will affect the itineraries as we're used to seeing them. There have already been rumors of the fantasy heading to Europe in the summer of 2025 instead of the dream, so that's one shakeup that I'll be watching for, but with the treasure added into the mix, will that mean some new destinations? I don't know. The Wish will likely continue its three and four night schedule from Port Canaveral and the Dream, assuming she doesn't go to Europe or if she doesn't go to Europe, will likely sail to the Bahamas and the Western Caribbean from Fort Lauderdale. So what will that mean for the magic? It doesn't seem logical that they'd have four ships cruising to the Bahamas and the, and the Caribbean from Florida ports during that time, but that also wouldn't surprise me. So I, I'm not I'm not sure. I also wouldn't rule out an extended dry dock for one of the ships to take it out of the rotation for some of the summer months. I'm speculating quite a bit here, but I have always loved the summer itiner itinerary releases and having another ship in the fold seems to open up some exciting opportunities. So we'll see how that all plays out. I'm guessing those will be released later this month or early next. So look out for those. Next on the list is another obvious one, Lookout Key. 
Ever since Disney Cruise Line completed the purchase of Lighthouse Point back in March 2019, I've been waiting for this new destination with a lot of anticipation. Actually, it started even before that when we first started to hear that Disney Cruise Line might be exploring new destinations. And back then, I don't really, I don't know if you remember, there were a few locations that were rumored to be on Disney Cruise Line's radar but never gained much traction. I think Lookout Key is going to be is going to feel quite a bit different than Castaway Key, which could definitely be a good thing. Having two private destinations that offer different experiences would seem to be a better selling point than having two stops that are are, are largely the same. So I, I do think they'll they'll be quite a bit different. While Castaway Key is intended to give you more of that shipwrecked, laid back, private island vibe, I don't think Lookout Key will give you that same feeling. With Disney Cruise Line's commitment to staying true to authentic Bahamian culture and allowing access by locals, which I'm still not entirely sure what that actually means. I think it'll feel less secluded and more like a a traditional call on a Bahamian or Caribbean port of call. I could obviously be way off base here, but based on everything that we've learned about it so far, that's, that's sort of my take on it. That being said, we should definitely be excited about this. With Disney's attention to detail, storytelling capabilities, I have... Zero doubt that this is going to be a place that will attract new cruisers and will become a fan favorite for Disney Cruise Line enthusiasts. If you remember, back when it was first announced, Joe Rohde was the Imagineer leading the creative development of this project. He, at the time, had already done a ton of research and and had helped to create a vision for the new destination. Obviously, Joe's not with the company anymore, but I imagine he would have passed his vision on to someone capable of taking the torch and and carrying it across the finish line. So I'm really excited to see how they bring Lookout Key to life, and, and you should definitely be too. The next thing to be excited about, and I, <laughs> I sort of touched on it earlier, is the Alaska and European seasons. I've said it before, and for you regular listeners, probably more than you'd like to hear, the Alaska cruise experience with Disney is absolutely incredible. I would do it every single year if the rest of my family were up for it and if my, if my wallet could handle it. With the new year comes new opportunities to visit the last frontier. It's no secret that the cost of a Disney cruise continues to get more and more expensive, and this is particularly true for the Alaska cruises. So if it's something that you're interested in and you can find a way to fit it in your budget, do it as soon as you can. I promise you won't regret it. In Europe, I I can't speak to this from personal experience because we haven't done a European Disney cruise yet, but Disney Cruise Line has so many different itineraries and places to visit around Europe. One thing that I personally love about cruising is the opportunity to visit you know, multiple places offering unique experiences and cultures without having to really worry about all the travel logistics. Yes, you only get a small taste of the places that you visit, but for some, that's enough. And for others, it's sort of a, a realization that they need to plan a longer visit to these places. So it's it's kind of like ordering ordering an appetizer sampler, right? If you if you want to try a bunch of different things in smaller portions rather than committing to a single main course, it's a great way to do it. One of the things I love about what Disney Cruise Line offers is that it's not just the Mediterranean. You also have the option to visit Norway and France and Iceland and the UK and tons of other iconic, you know, cities. And like the Alaska cruises, the European ones are not getting any cheaper. So do it as soon as you can. 
And finally, the last thing to be excited about in 2024 is information about new ships. And yes, I mean ships multiple. I was hesitant to put this one on the list because I, I'm not sure if it will actually happen in 2024, but it should. With the Treasure debuting at the end of the calendar year, they may focus all their PR and marketing dollars and energy on promoting that ship before trying to drum up excitement about others. But Disney Cruise Line has previously announced that both the Disney Adventure, still very bitter about the name of that one, and the yet-to-be-named third Triton-class ship will debut sometime in... Well, we know that the Adventure will debut sometime in 2025. They've said fiscal 2026 for the other Triton-class ship, which still could mean the end of 2025. But anyway, it would seem logical that they would start to get us interested and excited about those ships at some point this year. The treasure was first revealed during the D23 Expo in 2022, so I'm hoping that and wondering if we'll get some information about the final ship at this year's Expo in August. And I say final ship, but uh, I don't know, Scott Sanders tweeted yesterday that during the earnings call, Bob Iger wouldn't rule out additional ships beyond the final Triton-class ship. So that's something that piqued my interest a little bit. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything at this point, but the fact that they're talking about potential fleet expansion in the future, I think, is is pretty amazing. Um, so now that I think about it, I'm going to walk all that back a, a bit. If it is, in fact, true that both ships will make their maiden voyages in calendar year 2025, then I feel like there's no way we won't hear about them some point this year. Whether they actually sail in 2025, especially that last ship that we know nothing about yet, is another question. But if that's what they're sticking with, it feels like they have to tell us something about them. So I, I, I feel like it's got to be this year. All in all, 2024 is shaping up to be an exciting year for Disney Cruise Line, and I think these five things are the highlights. Like I mentioned at the beginning, if there is something that you are looking forward to that was not on my list, please reach out to me because I would love to hear what you're excited about. My family currently has three cruises planned for this year, which is a first for us. We've never done that many in a calendar year, but we're, we're really looking forward to a lot of time at sea this year and experiencing some new offers from... Uh, from Disney Cruise Line. So that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, thanks so much for listening, and here's to a fun and exciting 2024. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Instagram or Twitter at the DCL Dude, or by liking the show on Facebook at facebook.com/dcldudepodcast. You can also check out my blog at thedcldude.com. Please feel free to reach out with questions or ideas for future show topics, and I'd be super grateful if you could leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Beyond that, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.